Today's episode brought to you by BossPods.com. Want a podcast like a boss? We've got the inside word on how to set up a podcast that's actually worth something. We've got the industry's best to show you how. BossPods.com. Podcast like a boss. Well, first of all, I would like to say thank you very much uh, for jumping on Skype. It's always a little bit of a challenge to kind of organise at the moment, given that... um. I'm in the past and you're in the future, um, but I really appreciate your time and uh, it's just good to hear your voice. I haven't we haven't uh, spoken in many many years. Many years. It's many years. I, I actually couldn't even really recall the last time that we would have um, conversed. And I think the last time you you got in touch with me was about the um <clears throat> the thing that um Samuel Johnson was doing um and you needed a place to stay. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> that was right. the last time we, we we didn't really speak, but we um, communicated. We conversed. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I mean, that in itself feels like a long time ago, but um, I suppose sort of even beyond that, um, you know, finishing film school and then kind of living completely separate lives uh, and... I suppose watching watching each other's progress kind of via social media channels and things like that. Mm-hmm. But you've mm-hmm. done you've been doing some really extraordinary work, and it's been really amazing to kind of watch the progress of uh, of of where where we kind of left off in terms of uh, literal connection through till Thanks. now. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a long journey, and it's been a pretty like it's been a a challenging journey i mean i i i left <laughs> i left melbourne and came to australia i came to sydney with the intention to to act but you know it's not as easy as just going oh, okay i want to act when people don't know you um you can't get you know auditions and stuff so i um i wrote that little short film um called how god works for Tropfest and um directed it and acted in it and it got in and that's kind of like I guess where it, it kind of started for me after film school. Yeah, and then it's just been, I mean, you know, so many years of just doing the same kind of thing but just chipping away at it until I'm, I'm sort of where I am now. It's coming up next, the Ramble podcast that you tune into every Tuesday via your iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean platforms, or maybe you've just somehow stumbled onto comingupnext.com.au and tripped up into this week's episode featuring a tremendous guest. I was lucky enough to go to film school with this exceptionally talented writer, director, and actor. You've probably seen her stuff floating around. She is a double Tropfest alumni. You may know her show, Lessons from the Grave. You may know her series, Let's Talk About. And season two of Let's Talk About will be available to stream on Foxtel Play from December of 2016, which is the current year that this was recorded in. My guest this week on Coming Up Next, Matilda Brown. It's funny, there's there's kind of no accounting for persistence in this industry. And definitely, I mean, we finished film school almost 10 years ago now and mm. kind of watch contemporaries who just kind you know people just tend to drop off or 
were never that mm. into it in the first place or whatever their particular story may be. But the more I feel as though the more I've persisted, as you say, the more you kind of chip away and the more... It's so about persistence, I think. I mean, I I, I think it's like a numbers game. Um, and if you stay in it long enough, you eventually get... Um, you eventually get a yes, basically. I mean, when I first started and started to feel quite disillusioned by the industry and like, you know, how slow the process is. And my dad, you know, my well, my dad's an actor, I guess for the for the for those who are listening, he's um, he's Brian Brown, and he started as, um, you know, he wasn't always an actor. He was actually selling insurance before he became an actor. Oh and, wow, I didn't um, know that. Oh really? Yeah, he was he was he was um, selling insurance and he was studying to be an actuary, right. um, which is a um, you know like a, a very good mathematician, I guess, basically. And he um, so when he was selling insurance, he sort of knew that like there would be, you know, out of all of the, you know, say there's like a hundred people he has to get to, there's going to be so many no's. There's going to be more no's basically than yeses, um, but there are yeses in there somewhere. So you just have to get the no's out of the way in order to get to the yes. But I guess in order to get to the yes, like you have to persist. You have to get through all of it. Um, You can't just, you know, give up because you won't get there. And then sort of like following on from that, when he decided that he wanted to be an actor, he moved to, um, he moved to London and he wrote, to all of these theatre schools saying that he was this big, like, you know, sort of star in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't Google back then, so people just kind of believed it, I guess. Whether they did or they didn't, I don't know. But um, that's what he did. And he got back, you know, like a bunch of, no, sorry, we're not hiring uh, actors. And then, but you know, like he got one yes, which was, yeah, you can come and pull, you know, pull curtains (laughs) behind the scenes. And so he went, oh, okay, cool, I'll do that. And then from there... Um, it led to like, you know, him, you know, being behind the scenes to one guy, one time the actor on stage was sick, you know, and um, they needed someone to, to say his lines and dad knew his lines. And so he was like, oh, I know his lines, I'll do it. And that was like the first time really that he sort of was on, was like, you know, an actor on stage. So you got to be in it to win it, don't you, Al? You Get do. My point. You do. Well, that comes down to, I suppose, how you define winning it and what that kind of means for you as well and being clear about that. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of, what does winning it for me mean? Um, I feel like I'm winning it at the moment. I feel like there's, there's times along the journey where I feel like I'm, I'm winning just in my own, like in my own sense of, of, you know, like kicking my own goals. Um, not in comparison to other people's because I really believe that if you want to be unhappy, then you should compare yourself to others. (laughs) It's fast um, track. You want to be happy, don't compare yourself to others. Um, And in this industry, I think it's really hard sometimes to not look around at your peers or other people in the industry and compare yourself to them and be like, I should be where that person is. Like I spent most of my early 20s looking at other actresses and going, you know, that person's done that job and that job and that job. And like, I haven't, you know, done nearly as much as them and they're my age and I should be where they are. And it was just like a recipe for unhappiness. And I, um, yeah, I went through a massive, like, I just sort of hit rock bottom when I was 25. And, um, 
um, aside from like, you know, others, it wasn't just about acting. I'd also watched a lot of documentaries on the world and, you know, how fucked the planet is. And <laughs> I got myself into a real like conundrum. Um, and then just sort of like clawed my way out. And it was, I guess, like in my exploration of self that I realized that I was just sort of on my own journey and that, um, I don't need to compare myself to other people if I'm, if I'm like, you know, as long as I'm, I'm pushing myself, um, you know, creatively and, and feeling like I'm moving forward in what I'm doing, um, you know, and that like, that comes down to like hard work, feeling inspired, um, you know, like seeking out inspiration, not just, not just like waiting for things to come to me, like, like actually, I guess, creating my own work, um, has been, um, the biggest, um, kind of lesson for me and, and the biggest, like, I'm, I'm glad that I got, that it was hard for me to get work, um, as an actress because it forced me to create my own stuff. And, um, and that's really like been like, I'm so, I'm just glad that that's what I've been doing for the last however many years. And, um, yeah, anyway, so I feel like, gosh, that was a long winded answer for, what does winning mean to you? Um, <laughs> yeah. We normally talk about that later in the piece, but uh, I'm glad we I'm glad we started talking about it now. Oh, I thought I thought you, we wanted to talk about that now. Sorry. No, no, no. I I asked you the question. Okay. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So yeah. Basically, um, uh, winning for me also doesn't like it's not necessarily about like you know how much money I have in my account or um, what um, you know like what other people define as. Um, what success is because um, I don't necessarily think that what society thinks is successful makes someone, um, you know, fulfilled inside or happy, you know. um, Yeah, I don't think that – I mean, I've met plenty of people who you could go like, oh, they're successful because they have that much money in their account and, like, they've done that much work and they're like – you know, everyone looks at them as someone being successful but they're deeply insecure and very unhappy and – you know, so I just think it's um, you have to find your own definition of what winning is. You're, you 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 mentioned uh, your dad is Brian Brown and your mum is Rachel Ward, and these are two incredibly prolific actors <laughs> and filmmakers. You know, creative practitioners, I suppose. And you kind of talk about uh, comparing yourself to others as a way of, you know, fast-tracking a little bit of unhappiness. Do you feel as though kind of growing up with them, uh, I mean, obviously there were, I'm sure, some amazing experiences, but do you feel like there's a certain expectation that you kind of going into this family business uh, were kind of put, there was an expectation put onto you? By them, you mean? By them or, or by, by, by the public, uh, you know, by, by um, kind of by yeah, yourself? Sure. Like, there's, oh, yeah, I would say, you know, all of the above. Um, less less from, from them, although I, I guess as parents they have their own expectations of their children that I think is just comes with being a parent. I, I mean, I think regardless of what I did, they would have, you know, like they would – they're – they don't let any of us uh, sit around and twiddle our thumbs. I mean, they've, <laughs> they've both got incredible work ethic and they don't, you know, like my dad kicks me up the ass whenever he sees me sort of slacking off or getting complacent with work or, you know, even just 
when I'm like, oh, I'm so exhausted from trying all the time. Like, I'm just going to take a break. And he'll be like, all right, well, like, you know, <laughs> a five minute break. And then you're back, and then you're back to work. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm like, I, I want to. Can I have a week? <laughs> can I have a week to recover? But um, I, yeah, I think like more so for me, like it, for my to get my head around what um, like how to separate myself from who my parents are, has been like a journey, a huge journey, in sort of just, um, I guess, sort of similar to what I was saying before about you know the winning thing and like your own what your own expectations are of yourself and like just working out how I'm different to them and what is my voice as a filmmaker and, 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 and is that okay to be different from my mum's? Like my mum's really different in her storytelling to me. Um, I share a, a very similar sense of humour to my, to my father and a very similar sort of outlook on life as my dad. And but for a long time, I thought that I needed to create sort of dark, serious content because my mum creates that sort of stuff. Like that's her sort of genre. And it took me a long time to kind of go, but I'm not like that. Like I'm, I'm funny. <laughs> I write funny stuff. I want to make people laugh, you know. And then like once I realised that, I was like, oh, cool. I think I've like, you know, like found my way. On, I, found, I sort of found my own path um, that's separate. And then it becomes about just, I guess, other people have this idea of who you are because they know who your parents are. Um, you know, like strangers know who my parents are. And because of that, they, I guess, they have some idea of who I am. Like maybe I'm, I, I look quite like my mum, so maybe I'm, I'm really similar to my mum. And I am in lots of ways, but I'm also just Matilda my own person and <clears throat> I have bits from both of them, but I also have influences from the world and, you know, all the other stuff that I've gone through in my life. So I think it takes a long time to just sort of for other people to get their head around who you are as a separate entity. Um, and, but, you know, like they'll always, uh, I, I respect them hugely as, um, you know, very successful people in the field that they're in and, um, definitely, you know, um, value their opinion and, and, and happy to be, you know, associated to them. What was it like for you growing up with parents who were in the, in the public spotlight and who were kind of living quite extraordinary creative lives? I think like, you know, as a child, you don't really know any different until you sort of, until you get to an age where you kind of do. And I, and I guess for me, like, you know, my parents' lifestyle was just normal. I mean, I know that it's not now and I know that like we lived a, a pretty privileged life, but I didn't, they, they, I mean, they, they were, I mean, dad grew up in the Western suburbs of Sydney um, was raised by a single mum and, she, you know, she he comes from a very unspoiled childhood and so I think, you know, the, the thing that they wanted to do more than anything was to make us feel like we weren't, um, I don't know, just not, you know, not spoil us when they probably could have. Mm. And that's not to say that they didn't sometimes. Um, but Your I mum mean, was I guess kind of from the, not, not, the, not, the, not the polar opposite but quite opposing 
pretty polar opposite. Yeah, she was brought up in a, in aristocratic England, um, and you know, like in a huge manor house in an estate, and but you know, like wasn't really given affection or you know unconditional love from her parents. Unlike my dad, who was, whose mother was amazing and gave him so much support and love and encouragement, and it just is interesting how those um you know those two worlds came together um I mean they met on the Thornbirds um but I guess like I mean my mum uh despite that is not I mean she's not a, she's just not neither of them um people who sort of flaunt their I don't know I guess they're like their sure. money but yeah yeah, the privilege, yeah. I mean, yeah, we had an amazing life. We got to go to some amazing countries and visit them on set in different places. And I remember I, I visiting Dad when I was eight in Kenya because he was doing a Citroen commercial and just spending like a week with these little Kenyan kids and not speaking a word of the same language but just having the best time. And, and, and re- that's actually when I was like, wow, the world is very, very varied. And I come from a pretty privileged world. Mm. And these kids um, have no shoes on their feet and they, you know, like they have a ball, but one ball to play with between like 11 of them. And, you know, like they, I, I think I remember like having crayons and they were like amazed, <laughs> amazed that I had crayons. And like, I was like, take them. <laughs> <laughs> I think I went to the shop and bought all of the crayons in the shop and just like gave them all a packet. And spread the Crayola love. <laughs> the Crayola love. But yeah, I mean, you do. It's great to be able to see different parts of the world when you're growing up. And, you know, but then there's like comes a time where you're like, oh, not everyone's parents do what my parents do. Some parents go to work at nine o'clock in the morning and come back at five o'clock in the afternoon. And sometimes my parents were gone for two months and I would like miss them terribly. And, yeah, I mean, there's positives and negatives to everything, isn't there? Totally. Do you remember the first time that you performed or that you kind of entertained or that you made a film, something where you kind of stepped into that world personally um, as opposed to just kind of observing it? Yes. I was um, nine. My dad was making a show called Twisted Tales um, for Channel 9, I think, and it was like 10, 12 episodes, half hours each. And, um, I, and each one was a different story, uh, completely different, like show in itself, but they all had sort of like some weird twist to them. And I remember just saying to him, like, can, can like, is there any parts for me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he said, I think like his initial reaction was, because he's very big on education, he didn't let he didn't want us to have any distractions when we were at school. He just wanted us to do well at school, finish finish school without any distractions. And so I think his initial reaction was like, "No, no, no, there's no roles." And then he sort of came back and he was like, "Well, actually, there's this one role you can audition for it." And I did audition for it, and I didn't get that role, but there was another role, um, and I auditioned for that, and I got that role. And so I did this, you know, like little half hour show on this series called Twisted Tales, and I remember thinking. Like you go in, you get your makeup done, you get to, you know, you get, you got time off school, you get to dress up in, you know, you know, go into this um, costume trailer and (laughs) with these great women who were just, I don't know, it was just so fun. And I just remember thinking, God, if this is a job, 
I want to do this job. Because <laughs> it was just like, it's just play. You're just playing on set, you know. And then you stop for lunch and the food's amazing. <laughs> and everyone's like great and really different. Um, everyone's doing their own job. And, like you know, you, you, it's so varied when you're on set because there's like, there's blokes doing electric shit. And then there's like women who are the makeup ladies. And then there's... Or, or like, you know, a gay guy who's like, <laughs> you know, a makeup guy or I don't know. It's just there's so many different people on a film set and you all become close really quickly. And so, yeah, I just remember thinking this is pretty magical, this experience. And then I didn't, you know, I didn't do anything again until I was 15 um, when my mum made a film called uh, Martha's New Coat and I asked to audition for that because the girl was my age. And she was like a moody teen, a moody angst teenager, and I was a a moody angsty teenager at the really? time. So, <laughs> can you believe that? I cannot believe that. <laughs> yeah, so I I auditioned for that, and I um got that role, and and then um yeah, and then I didn't do anything again until I came to film school, and then went, you know and met you, and we went through film school together, and I didn't really act at all then. And it really wasn't until I moved back to Sydney when I was 23 that I was like, okay, well, I do want to act. Um, I haven't done it in years. So how am I going to – where am I going to start? Oh, maybe I'll just write myself a role and hope that it, like, gets into Tropfest. <laughs> so, Lo and behold, yeah. it did. Yeah, so it did. It did. <laughs> I, remember, I remember moving back and going, like, to my dad, fuck, what am I going to do now? And he goes, well, you went to film school. You may as well make a Tropfest film. And I was like <laughs> – Shit, I guess I better. Because <laughs> that's kind of where everyone started. Like, I mean, not everyone, but it is a place to start. Like, Gregor Jordan made a Tropsess film. He won it, and then he made Two Hands. Or, like, maybe he made some between that. But it was a good, it is a good place to start. Yeah. You know, little short festivals. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what, do you remember at while you were at school, do you remember there coming a point where you, uh, <clears throat> where you did, start to realize that uh that your parents were um were personalities in the public spotlight maybe you know did your peers yeah. start treating you differently or was it all just kind of business as usual yeah it sort of um happened around high school towards the end of i remember like i mean we'd get stopped in the street and stuff when we were a lot, a lot younger by people saying like can i have a oh brian can i have a photo with you and rachel like um and you know quite often he would oblige and 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 do it and quite often he would say oh no I'm just out with my family like but I didn't really know what that meant until a certain age and then I remember going to being at high school and I knew who they were then I knew that they were figures in the public I didn't really realize you know what they you know like I didn't really know or really understand um you know what it what it meant or like um you know what how their generation saw them or anything but um, definitely there were times when people would, um, I mean, there still are. There's still like, you know, like if I say to someone in the film industry, my parents are Brian Brown and Rachel Ward, like if that comes up in conversation, they definitely change <laughs> immediately. Like it, it gives me a certain amount of, I guess people, because they just know who they are. So they, they kind of go, it gives context to something, to someone, yeah. firstly. Yeah, I mean, I definitely get, get, some respect by default. Gives, <laughs> of who my gives you a credibility, are. I suppose. 
Yeah, but in the opposite way, when I was younger, I mean, I remember going into the teacher at school calling me into. I mean, people would say to me, "My parents say that your parents are famous, but I don't know who they are." And I'd be like, "I, I don't know. I, there's no reason why you should. I don't know who they are. <laughs> They're just my parents." Um, but then a teacher called me into her office when we were when I was in year seven, and she sat me down and she said, um, "Now I just want you to know that um, you know you're you know obviously you're, you have." famous parents and you know in life um sometimes you won't know whether your friends are your friends because of that or because of you and I remember thinking wow why are you telling me this like why is it your job to tell me that that's very strange <laughs> advice for a teacher to be giving a student strange thing to tell me that to tell a girl in year seven um that she needed to like you know at that age question her the friends my my, my friends well, my, I felt like, well, my friends, because of me, they didn't know who my parents were. Maybe their parents did. But anyway, little things like that, I guess. But whatever. <laughs> Your first, um, like, you know, sort of looking at how God works uh, and then a lot of the f- sort of things that I've seen you put up on uh, Facebook and uh, Am I Okay? Yeah. These sort of films, there's a lot of kind of, it feels like questioning of identity and, and um, I mean, through, you know, you, you definitely weave yeah. your comedy into it, but it felt like there was a lot of kind of uh, identity exploration in those uh, pieces. Yeah, I guess I'm, I've, I'm always trying to work things out on a deeper level. Like I just, I'm fascinated by psychology and, in fact, when I made that film Am I Okay?, that's when I had my, like, that's when I was 25 and I had my, like, what the fuck am I doing with my life moment. Because, like, as an actor, I was just, I was basically learning lines that someone else had written and given me and I was, like, learning those lines and then I would go to a casting, I'd say those lines, you know, I'd act that out and then that was it. Like, you know, if I didn't get the job, which, you know, is, like, one out of 20 auditions or whatever or even less at that point um nothing you know that's it you're just like learning somebody else's words so you're not really like I wasn't like I just sort of thought is this really what I want to do with my life don't I want to have I want to have a voice in the world I want to put my thoughts down and explore them I don't want to explore somebody I mean obviously I do also as an actor because it's it's interesting a lot of the times but I also just it made me think I don't think this is what I want to this is all I want to do with my life and that's when I like wrote am I okay because I also thought that I was going crazy because I was feeling so much and not understanding the world and not understanding myself and so I just started to write about that and it made me feel so much better and I remember reading it to my friend um, Amy and she said, oh, my God, I can just relate to so much of this. I feel like I've been going through this as well. And then I guess the the idea of, like, you know, putting yourself out there and your vulnerabilities and what you're going through and being able to connect with other people is, for me, like, it's amazing. I like connecting with people through what I'm going through in life. Like, there's no, there's nothing better than to than to share something with someone and have them go, I feel that too. So I, yeah, I really do try and be as sort of honest and, and like, you know, as I said at the beginning, like I'm pretty much an open book. I like to explore things. I don't feel like my 
vulnerabilities or my th- my things that my flaws make me less of a person because I know that we all have them. I just think it's interesting to explore them. So that's, I guess, why I like to, uh, why, yeah, all my stuff does explore identity and who I am and who we are and what that all means. And certainly takes a certain level of courage to be able to expose yourself in that way, particularly, I think, in our, uh, you know, like you like you said earlier, anyone can Google anything and anyone can comment on anything and yeah. there are going to yeah. be, you know, by virtue of the fact that you're creating art, there's, there will be people who disagree with what you're doing and I'm sure, you know, you may get a rougher ride because some people may perceive that because of who your parents are, you may have an element of entitlement to you, which I know that you do not, but I'm sure there are people out there who would want to create that kind of narrative. Yeah, um, I think I think people did earlier on. I feel like a lot less now. I, f- I feel like now I've separated myself enough from my parents, from the work that I've done, that people kind of do recognise me in my own Right, um, but it has taken, I mean, for those who know my work, obviously, I don't mean like, um, you know, there's obviously a shitload of people who have absolutely no idea who I am, <laughs> which is fine, um, but those who like have seen my journey along the way, I think have gone like, oh, uh, yeah, you, your your work is your own, it's separate to who your parents are, you've proved yourself, you know, um, along the way, but oh, there was something else that you said that I was going to comment on people leaving comments um, oh just the comments yeah yeah like when i made that first film how god works i went i went on the um i went online after it went up on the on online after drop fest because they all go up the day after whatever and i started to read the comments from people and they were like brutal (laughs) like people i mean so much reference to my parents oh this film is shit i only got in because their parents are brian brown and rachel ward you know, just and just like you know, horrible stuff about the film that I made or, or about me um, in it. You know, like, but you know, you'd go on to the next one, the next film, and of course, there's anyone. Will, people like to write shit things about stuff. People like to have an opinion, and it's not always good. And it really hurt me at the time. I I was on my bed, and I I'd just never been exposed to that sort of like harshness about something that I created or you know, that makes you really second guess yourself. Like, did my film get in just because of my parents, because of who my parents are? And, that, and you know, that's good press for the thing. And so maybe it really just did. And now I'm like, I don't even give a fuck if it did or not. Um, <laughs> that just doesn't, it just doesn't bother me now because I, I, I believe in myself enough now. I didn't really then. I mean, it was the first film I made. It, it was shit. <laughs> but like, it also, I think, was completely deserved to be in, you know, that selection of films. So, yeah, and it was your voice. Yeah, it was my voice and it was the beginning of my, my journey. And But, yeah, no, that stuff really hurts. And I remember going out to my dad, like, and saying, oh, I just read all these comments on um, underneath my film on the Tropfest thing and it's, like, they're horrible. There's some really horrible ones. And he, he just went, oh, Till, you're going to get those. He just... You just ignore him. <laughs> it was so simple. It was so simple for him. He was just like, oh, you can't please everyone. You just ignore him. Uh, waste of time. Don't even think about it. Don't even look at those ones. 
And I, and I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, he was like, oh, he, you know, still sometimes I say to him, you know, if, I, if I've made something and I, like, look at myself in it and I'm critical of the way that I look or something, and he, and he says, oh, there's been times when I've looked at things and I've gone, oh, I'm never going to get a job. I'm never going to get another job after that, after people see that. And he goes, which never happened. We did not get another job after that. It's just, I mean, you are your own worst critic at times. And, you know, he's right. You can't please everyone. And there's always going to be people who, you know, don't like what you do. And there's going to be people who really respond to it. And I, I have no intention of pleasing everybody. I just know that's impossible. And I have opinions on things. So not that I would go and, like, write horrible things about somebody's, about what somebody does. But I definitely, like, you know, I critique things. So everyone's entitled to their own opinion as well. I just think there are some ways that people choose to go about it and not the best the best ways. Yeah, and I think art is embedded or created to uh to create a conversation or to start a conversation whether or not yes. you know whether or not it's positive or negative is kind of irrelevant, you know. The wor- the worst thing for any artist I think is that you know to not have an audience to like make something and for it to, you know, for it to just no one to see it because you know like I'd, I'd rather make something <laughs> yeah and people have you know and it, and it sparks some sort of conversation and you know asks people to sort of like think about things and to question things and then for it to just be you know not seen at all it's like that 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 thing um if a tree falls in the wood and no one's there to hear it does it make a sound yeah you know no <laughs> <laughs> it does (laughs) did it really fall down it doesn't make a sound you can't sound is only created when you're there when you hear it when you hear it or when it's heard or when it's heard exactly so yeah no it is art is you are you're asking for an opinion when you when you make something that's Um, true well i hope someone hears this tree falling podcast Uh, (laughs) otherwise otherwise it's just a little bit masturbatory between us isn't it <laughs> oh no, I haven't catch up. Yeah, that's okay. right. We put microphones on a catch up. There's something interesting that I read, t- kind of talking about, I suppose, the self esteem side of uh, living a creative life. Something that your mum said in an interview I read when you said that you wanted to be an actor, and she said, that's fine as long as you do something, uh, oh, yeah. you know, you, you, you learn something else that can back you up so you're not relying on just being an actor yeah. to, you know, fulfill your life. And mm. kind of uh, an, an extension of that, uh, being a woman in the entertainment industry, she kind mm. of uh, identified the need to, a particular need to have as many kind of strings to your bow as possible because of, I suppose, gender inequality in her generation would have been yeah. horrific. Uh, and it's kind of getting better now, but still still far away yeah. from parody. Yeah, she just said, um, you know, she she was a huge star in Hollywood before she moved to Australia and she, her career, like, had just taken off and she was not short of job offers and she moved to Australia and she moved to the Northern Beaches, which is a quiet little, you know, beachy suburb in uh, Sydney and, like, work just stopped because she was English in Australia. There weren't roles for her. She had a kid 
and she, you know, like really soon, really soon realized that being an actress is difficult anywhere, but really difficult in Australia to like just, you know, continuously have work. And she's not good at being idle. I don't think anyone is particularly good at being idle, you know, when they know what they want to do and they know that they want to be doing it. Um, so it can be like so disheartening and, you know, not a nice place to be in. Anyway, she went back to, I remember when we, when she'd had three kids and she, I decided she wanted to go back to university and study, um, you know, and study, start again really and stop being an actor, stop waiting for someone to give her a job. She just needed to, um, you know, empower herself, I guess. And that's when she sort of started her like writing and like, you know, the second part of her career as a writer and a director. So when I said that I wanted to be an actress, she said, well, you know, just go do something else, get something else behind you because you just, it's, you, you will, it can be such a, you know, like it's a difficult industry and it's difficult for women because, you know, you can at 35 or at 40, you know, you're, you're not the leading lady anymore. You're someone else is now. And then the roles are less and where men become more empowered in their age, women don't um, because unfortunately for women, like society still sees them as, you know, like there's an objectification. Their, their yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so anyway, that was, yeah, that was her advice to me and which, which took me to film school, which basically was why I went and studied film and television in Melbourne, um, which is how I met you. And I'm so glad that she told me to do that because otherwise I wouldn't be where I am doing what I'm doing. And I just know so many people and I have so many actor friends who are, you know, in that situation, like, you know, 30, oh, you know, even in their 20s, who are just like banging their head against a brick wall because there's so many people who want to act and there are far fewer roles and it's a very competitive industry and, you know, like for women now, like it's really only just in the last year that we've really been like that the funding bodies and like Screen New South Wales and Screen Australia have really gotten behind trying to make it even ground for women and men and there's now, you know, more way more initiatives that are um, geared towards women just so that we can get, you know, just so we can try and sort of make it equal because it hasn't been for for so long, forever. So it's a good time now for women, I think. And I, and I think it's the first time really men have to look for, you know, women to have to attach themselves to in order to get funding. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> it is. It's, it's incredible. Um, and it's... Like there are some, some filmmakers out there who are like, oh, I need a female producer in order to apply for this <laughs> for money. No, that's just never been the case. It's just always you know, the opposite way around. Mm. So after you made uh, How God Works, you feel um, a sense of, I suppose, empowerment because you've kind of found your voice. You've had a film in Tropfest, which, you know, is despite the kind of um, funny uh, quirk of it being kind of honing ground for recent film grads, is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, film festival in Australia. What was the kind of what was your kind of journey from there? You um, you said you made Am I Okay? I guess that would have been a couple of years after that. 
Um, and then you had another well, film, One Thing, in Tropfest as well. Yeah. I just made – I actually just kept making stuff after. Um, I, d- I mean, just want to say, because you said you found your voice, I definitely didn't find my voice after – I mean, I – if anything, it made me more confused about just right. because I was <laughs> – you know, like, I think I think it's I think finding your voice is just like an endless journey. Yeah. I think because I'm always changing. I think because we're always changing. Um, you know, your voice is always like evol- I think it's just an evolution. I think it's just you're constantly well for me anyway because I'm always reflecting on um my life. Like I do draw a lot from my life into and put it into my work. You know, and I and I don't I'm not someone who stays sort of like I in order to do that I have to live life so I have to put myself into situations that I probably wouldn't if I wasn't a writer (laughs) which makes life interesting in order to get like you know fodder for for work but yeah and so um I do think I do think my voice will always evolve hopefully it will always evolve if it doesn't um I'm like I'm not I've stopped living well, as long as you're but having anyway. new experiences and expanding and growing as a human being, your yeah. perspective on the world will naturally shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, what was my journey? Sorry, yeah. Okay, so, oh, I just um, like I made I made video video clips for um, uh, my boyfriend at the time, his band, which was which is Lime Cordial. I I just basically kept kind of like creating stuff um some were you know like I mean just to try and I guess find out what my voice was or like what my style was or um and then I made a film called Cox which was just a silly silly little film um about uh construction workers checking out you know chicks um as they walk past (laughs) (laughs) I just felt like I needed to make a film about that and then and then I've actually tried to put that into Tropfest, but it didn't get in. Um, and then I made one th- one thing the year after, and that one got in. And then I made this little series called um, Lessons from the Grave, which is about a father and daughter um, relationship. And he, the father wins $50 million in the lottery, has a heart attack and dies. And for the rest of the series, he's a ghost. And he sticks around to help his daughter learn life lessons because he doesn't think that she's ready to be on her own yet and dad plays the ghost and I play the girl and we just we made them um we made there were three three minutes each episode um and then we made 20 of them and we sold them to ABC and so they would play on ABC like as little interstitials between things and that was kind of great because it meant that I then had like I then had a show that had sold to a network so then I could um, apply for funding and like you know sort of be I guess kind of taken more seriously because it's hard to apply it's hard to get funding for things because in order to get funding for things you have to have you have to be considered a professional and, and I say that with like bunny rabbit little you know things. air quotes um, yeah because and that means that you have to have the, you know had something on a network in order to apply but it's it's kind of like it's hard because it's hard to get something on the network and then but you can't apply so it's a bit of a catch 22 sort of thing so anyway so that sort of meant then that I could um have a relationship with the funding bodies Screen New South Wales and then they put and then that led to my next one which was um let's talk about which is what I'm doing at the moment which is the first season so 
the first season is four to six minutes each and there's ten eps. And that we took to Presto, which is a funding body, which is a, not a funding body, sorry, a streaming service um, like Netflix or Stan. I mean, Stan and Presto were the two in Australia. Um, Presto has since um, folded back into Foxtel. And so now my show is with Foxtel and I've just finished the second series, which is longer. They're 10 minutes. Oh, wow. That's minutes. awesome. Yeah. And um, that will come out in December. Yeah. So I, I mean, I literally exciting. just looked. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really I'm really excited about that because I think I'm I'm just proud of it and I'm proud of everybody who's in it and it's yeah. The first season was was really great um, and it seemed like it was kind of I mean look I you know I haven't watched everything that you've done but certainly it seemed like a maturing of your kind of uh, your own style and you know continuing the evolution yeah. of your voice. Um, yeah. And I was reading that, you know, you'd kind of taken, adapted the story from an experience that you'd had or that your friends had had uh, with, yeah. a, with a kind of accidental pregnancy at the start of an um, intense relationship. Yeah. yeah so my friend, um, one of my best friends, um, she met a guy and pretty early on in their relationship, she got pregnant. And, um, he really, he just really wasn't ready to have a baby. I mean, they'd had a conversation about when they might be ready. And she was like, oh, I'm ready. And he was like, well, I'm not ready for another two years at least. So then she finds out she's pregnant and, um, yes. And so they they have, they had the child who is now sort of three and he's my godson and he's adorable. Um, but as they were going through this whole thing I mean, all the things that they were dealing with, that she was dealing with she'd sort of like talked to me about and I thought it was really interesting because I'd never, A, she was the first of my friends to get pregnant. So I'd never like really understood what you go through when you're pregnant on that sort of level. You know, I was sort of like her go-to person for everything that she was going through. And, um, and then also they're getting in a relationship like that when you don't know your partner really, where you haven't, you know, really even got to know each other just you and just you, just the two of you, and then suddenly you're dealing with um, like a pregnancy. It just heightens the whole thing. And <laughs> she would talk to me about these things, and I'd be like, "Oh, this is a really good idea for a show," because it was just mm. fascinating to me. So I would just be like, "Oh, okay," and just like jotting some things, some notes down. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I didn't copy her life by any means. They're completely different characters, and. Um, you know, I, I completely make up a lot of the stuff and did a lot of other research into it to create Let's Talk About. But that, that is where it came from. How important is it for you to kind of have a premise uh, for for all of your stories that's that's grounded in some sort of authenticity or truth or, you know, some, some kind of personal experience as opposed to it being, you know, a completely kind of fabricated or farcical sort of uh, premise? Well, I think like for me, as long as I, as long as something is, as long as I'm drawing from some part of truth, um, whether it's like the characters or, uh, you know, or like specific, or like conversations, I, I mean, I definitely need to, I, I, I can't write, I can't just make stuff up. Like for me, any, any scene that I write always has to feel like it's coming from a truthful place 
Um, I mean, I'm right. It's so hard to explain. I'm, I mean, I'm writing a ghost story at the moment, like a, a you know, a ghost film. And, you know, there's so many times where it can go down the road of cliche. Like you think I'll be like, oh, this should happen because this happens in a ghost film. And then I'm like, but that doesn't really happen. Like this would actually happen. And I know that you've got to have like, you know, there's got to be drama. So, of course, the stakes need to be high. And, of course, you have to, you know, make it, you know, dramatic and stuff. But sometimes I think for me I'm like, no, I just want to explore the truth of this scene. And sometimes like really good stuff happens and like really uncliched stuff happens that's, you know, and I think you can surprise yourself a lot by going, no, what would actually, what would the truth of this scene be? So I guess like I just I just feel like I can tell when I'm, when it's not coming from a kind of a truthful place. And then I, I think like at some point the characters just start to write themselves. Um, I think if you if you kind of get to a point with them where you've, got the characters sort of kind of authentic, then they start to just, yeah, just kind of like take on their own voice, which is a fun place to get to. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, uh, it's an immensely satisfying process and, you know, bringing something to life that you've kind of created from, you know, just, uh, I suppose, uh, and anatomically, a chemical reaction that you've had in your in your mind uh, is is a very gratifying experience. It is like that's the most amazing thing when I get to the end of a project, and the most satisfying thing is that like everything starts with an idea, like the tiniest like, crumb of an idea that pops into your head from like a conversation that you're having, or walking down the street and thinking of something and being like, what's what's that's a cool idea. Like, or something happens and it just triggers something in your mind. And then for me, then it's just like, I'm going to play with that. And then it evolves into, uh, like it takes on so many different lives to get to where it ends up. But the idea that it can end up as something that people like watch, you know, and it seems so easy for when people watch something, they're like, Oh, look at that. I just watched that in an hour and now it's done, you know? And, but the process of getting it to that point, has been such a journey and it's just started with this thought and it just for me it just goes to show that you can do like everything is just a thought like everything that we do our whole lives are just one thought after another like it just and it's what you choose to like you know act on that in the end creates your life so I don't know I guess it's just getting a bit philosophical but, no that's that's, but, that's where that's where we go <laughs> yeah but if you um you know it just is about taking those steps like just the idea of not going oh that's a stupid idea i'm not going to do anything with that and actually going mm, maybe i am going to explore that idea like i do like that idea i've just got to explore it and then i've got to write it and then i've got to write it and then you get to the stage where you've finished writing it and you're like okay well i guess i better make it i mean each each part of it is a, a, such a journey in itself and kind of exhausting but you get to the end and it's so satisfying and you've had so many amazing times along the way. <clears throat> it is all about the journey. <laughs> when yeah. you were, when you were kind of uh, having, I suppose to use your words, when you'd hit rock bottom before you made, am I okay? Mm. Was there any kind of, were, were there any things that you turned to, to kind of help, dig yourself out of that 
state of mind or was it really the catharsis of writing and uh, kind of getting it out into uh, into your art that helped pull you out of that kind of state? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I guess it's a combination. I, like, I always turn to my family when I'm, whenever I'm feeling, or my friends. Like, I'm not at all someone who holds in really the way that I'm feeling. Like, if I, if I feel stuck or, like, you know, disheartened, I might dwell on it for a little bit, but then I'll, like, I'll just talk about it. And so that's a, that's definitely one way of getting myself out of rock bottom. I will think about it a lot and try and work out where it's coming from. And then that often leads to me writing about it. I just think like frustration is just fuel to, you know, to like explore. Like it's just, for me, it's not scary really to be in a certain way because I just sort of feel like it's, it's going to lead me to something worth talking about. So, um, cause it always has, I mean, I've always written when I, even when I was, when I was young, I was just always writing in a journal and writing poems. And I was just always very, um, quite internal in that way. And that's how I expressed myself. And that has never gone away. And it's always made me feel better, like to write something out and to explore it. Like, you know, like sort of, uh, you know, because you get on a bit of a you get on a roll when you write stuff out, and you're not necessarily in control of that. But suddenly, this stuff comes out, and you can it's tangible. You can sort of like kind of understand it a bit more. So that yeah, it's, that's always been a go to place for me when I've felt down or confused or like stuck in life. I did, I don't know what I who I would be or what I would do without writing. That's just some people paint. I mean, I paint, paint, but it doesn't do the same thing for me as writing. What What's it like for you working with with your family? I mean, kind of putting aside any sort of um, uh, profile or anything like that. Just the the quite literal act of working with your mum or working with your dad. They're two different things. Like when I work with mum because she's a director, and we have a different relationship. We're very, we're like siblings, my mum and I, we get along so well, but then like, we'll just come head to head with something and we'll have like a, like a little spat <laughs> at each other, <laughs> a little strop and, um, and then get over it. And then we're like back to being best friends again, but also, but, and we dad, um, he's much more, he, he, he does like what I, I think is he has a, a, an amazing knack at giving back feedback in a really gentle way, in a really good way where you don't feel like, some, you know, he'll, he'll do the feedback sandwich really well, which is like positive, negative, positive. And my mum is like the opposite. She'll just like give, she'll just like list off the things that aren't good. <laughs> <laughs> and like, oh, okay, well, was anything good? And then she'll be like, oh, yeah, that's a given, but just like this is what you have to deal with. Um, or this is what's not good. I don't really ask my mum for advice on my scripts. I just go straight to my dad because my mum and I have a really different sense of storytelling, as I said before, and my dad um, totally gets my, um, yeah, just my creative process and the characters that I create. And um, so, and I I like his feedback. Um, I don't show my mum anything now until it's done because we, I've just learnt in the past not to. 
Um, I just think you have to choose the people that you get feedback from. And it's not to say like only choose the ones that uh, are going to give you good feedback, but just I think it's so important to have the the right sort of encouragement. Otherwise, you can just lose faith really easily in, you know, in that something's too hard or it's not good enough or it's never going to get good. And so if you have someone who's like, you know, just positive, um, that, um, great. And that's why, that's why I love working with dad really is because he's sort of eternally optimistic, but also very clear in, in his, you know, in his direction, in his like support and what's not good and what's, what's working and what's not working. I, I love, I love working with both of them in different ways. What keeps you going in those moments of uh, doubt or uh, where you you might be feeling like, what what's it all for and, and why do I keep persisting? Now I just accept that that is like, that this is what I do and that that's part of, that's the nature of the beast. And I, I actually like, because I rely on the struggles to make, to help me create, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it any other way. I just, I just know now, I mean, I guess you just start to see it as like, like if it was all smooth sailing, there would be nothing, there would be nothing to talk about. Like there's no conflict then. And I'm in a world where we deal with drama. So I think I just have a bit of a philosophical viewpoint around it all now where I just sort of, you know, I just know that those times are necessary in order to, you know, do what I do I think the biggest struggle is like not really knowing when the next dollar is coming from or the next paycheck coming in but even that now I sort of um trust I sort of just trust it now that it will work out because it sort of it has so what why why what do you think uh what do you think we're here for is it a are we creating art to kind of continue our kind of evolution as human beings or what what do you think it's uh what do you think we do it for yeah like i think similar to what you said you know earlier on about art um it's it's so i think it's so necessary to to keep people thinking like to reflect on things and to like reflect on like you know past present future um ideas you know, like to to connect people, to make people feel like we're we're all going through the same stuff, and we're all dealing with our own, you know, internal struggles. And you know, like also important to like film. That's why film festivals, I think, are so great because you get glimpses into so many different worlds and so many different people's lives. And you know, without art, like without film, you don't get that. You don't get to see into worlds um intimately and you learn so much through people like we all learn so much through through each other so to be able to you know be part of a con or start a conversation or you know like give people permission to talk about things and to discuss something is i think it's so important for you know our evolution as humans and um you know ourselves yeah I think no matter what art it is you know like film going to an art gallery um you know reading a book uh I just think the art world is and uh yeah a magical 
magical world. That's a really, uh, really beautiful sentiment. Um, and I think, you know, I think the world could do with a little bit more magic in it mm. at the moment. It's been, uh, 2016 has been quite a, uh, an interesting year um, to be a human oh, being. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know what else to say on that matter. Uh, yeah. Mm, yeah. There's not. There's not a whole lot you can say. Um, I. I mm. really, uh, really, very, very grateful for your time for uh, catching up and hearing about uh, you know parts of your life that I didn't know about and you know getting to chat with you about some of the amazing things that you've been doing. I finish. Um, finish every pod podcast conversation with the same question yeah. and that question is what makes you silly 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 oh oh my god that's a good one um oh what makes me silly um like do you mean like what makes me silly like as a person or like what things make me silly yes what things make me silly uh, i mean either Oh, okay. I mean, it's intentionally ambiguous. Other people make me silly. You know when, like, you meet someone and they sort of, they're silly and then you can be silly together? <laughs> Such an obvious one. But I feel like, like, my brother makes me silly because he's so silly. And, you know, some people make you really serious because they're serious because they don't have any, like, they don't really know how to be silly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you meet someone else who's, like, really silly and you can you discover your silly side yeah it is infectious yeah it's infectious it's good to be silly it is good to be silly uh we should spread spread silliness and magic throughout the world is the I feel uh, like hula hoops also make me silly oh yeah like do, doing something like hula hooping because you know like when you're bad at something <laughs> it, you know you, you look so like i look would look silly hula hooping you know yeah Anyway, I think most yeah. people look silly hula hooping. <laughs> Unless they're really good at it. And, and then rollerblading. Really oh, yeah, rollerblading. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Matilda. No worries, Al. It was so nice to talk to you. Oh, amazing to catch up. <laughs>